The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet. Uh, My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to welcome you today. I'm very glad that you're here, very glad that you're listening with us today. We've got a great program for you, as we always do. Today we're going to be focusing on the power of community as an important context for long-term recovery. So you'll be hearing all about that and and understanding and uh, hopefully taking it into your heart and mind why that really matters and how uh, you can be a part of that um, in even greater ways than probably may already be a part of that. Um, I want you to know that uh, Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. We're glad that everybody's here. You're welcome to, of course, as a listener, you're welcome to... uh, to call in your comments. I'd ask you not to email them in today because our email isn't working right today, but if you would, um, you can certainly call in a comment or a question for my guest if you have that on the topic of the day. But um, I want you to know that everybody's welcome here. If you're a person that's recovering from um, any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member or friend or if you're just curious about um, the process of recovery, I'm really, really glad that you're here today. And um, I want to give a particular shout-out to family members and friends. That's my situation, and we're going to be talking about that today as well uh, with my guest about uh in addition to other things that we're talking about, family member recovery as well. But um, my guests are going to be sharing with us uh, about that. So um, here at Spirit of Recovery, we're always talking about topics that matter to you. We're talking about topics that make a difference for the recovering community. And so, um, again, I'm really, really glad that you've joined with us today. Also, I want you to know that if you would like to donate to this nonprofit radio station, Unity Online Radio, seem to be Unity Media, which is going to have an increased capacity um, beyond even what we do now, that you can do that. You can make a one-time contribution or you can um, make an ongoing contribution by contacting unityonlineradio.org. You can go to that site and you can find out how to do that. Also, I want you to know that you can access um, Spirit of Recovery uh, via a variety of formats. You can certain or platforms. You can obviously access it via your computer, live via your smartphone or other smart devices. 
you can, um, if you've got Alexa, you can go there. If you've got iTunes, you can go there. Um, lots of ways to access. And we've also got tons of podcasts from years past that you can access. So you can um, listen at your leisure, and you'll find a lot of great um, podcasts and a lot of great guests and very interesting topics. So uh, be sure to know that, uh, that you can do that. So. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your host, and I have been uh, in recovery myself as a family member and friend for uh, over 36 years, and it's really changed my life. I'm really grateful to that, uh, that uh, the disease of addiction brought me as a family member into some real important understandings for myself. And uh, my uh, walk continues to be an integration of unity principles. I'm a unity minister. And... Um, also, the principles of 12-step recovery, and I integrate those, and it just makes a huge difference in my life. So I'm delighted to have the opportunity to uh, share guests with you and to bring you great topics. So today, we're going to be uh, talking about communities where recovery comes together. And, um, you know, people really do recover best in communities where they're loved, spiritually and emotionally supported, and where they can connect with inner and outer resources. I mean, that's just a recipe for good living for anybody and, and uh, for all human beings, and especially it makes a real difference for people in recovery and helps people stay in long-term recovery and, and really uh, become who they are meant to be and live in who they are and live very fully. You know, recovery can get started in a lot of ways, um, but to sustain it, it does take the power of community. And today I've got two people who are uh, uh directors and uh, one the executive director and the other the director of the family program at a great organization um, here in Austin, Texas, and it's called Communities for Recovery. And uh, that organization is dedicated to building a strong context that supports long-term recovery. They, uh, Communities for Recovery, the organization partners within the larger community um, with other groups to provide peer support programs and services to participate in advanced recovery initiatives, so yeah, they get involved in uh, helping policies uh, work well for recovering people, and also celebrates the power of recovering people. And uh, you can learn more about Communities for Recovery by going to their website, it's the letter C-F-O-R-R, Communities for Recovery, C-F-O-R-R.org. And uh, my guests today, as I said, are uh, Robin Payson, who's the executive director, and Peggy Robinson, the family program coordinator. And I'll tell you a little bit about them. Uh, Robin Payson, the executive director, uh, has spent her professional career in the public arena, and she has uh, done service in a lot of areas and uh, directed and managed a lot of a variety of different programs in terms of developing, managing, and integrating public health and mental health and substance abuse treatment programs and policy. And um, she her, has, uh, again, obviously a lot of background in nonprofit management. And uh, she is also a person that considers herself to be in recovery from trauma. And she's a family member uh, with family, family members in recovery from both substance abuse and mental illness, and she's very passionate about supporting recovery peer-based services and, uh, and uh, recovery-oriented systems of care and advocating for recovering people. 
Uh, my other guest here with us today is Peggy Robinson, again, the Director of Family Programming. And uh, Peggy also has worked in a variety of professional environments. She's got a lot of experience working with special education students um, and uh, working with different programs, again, that support family recovery and uh, has a background in family recovery and prevention. She herself is also a family member in recovery. and. Um, she is has also family members in recovery from both substance abuse and mental illness, and she is also a peer uh, trained peer recovery coach and loves working with family members in recovery and is really getting their family program at Communities for Recovery off the ground and, and with a great family education and support. So um, welcome to Spirit of Recovery, Robin and Peggy. I'm really glad you're here today. Thank you, Anna, very much for inviting us to be on the show. We're very excited. Yes, thanks, Anna. We're excited to be here. Great. Well, I'm I'm really glad. Thank you both for what you do for the recovery community. And not only does it benefit uh, the recovery community right here in Austin and in Texas, but anytime um, people do this kind of a programming, it spreads out the consciousness of it and the techniques and the power of it just has a great ripple effect everywhere, and we'll talk about this later, but I'm guessing that you have connections with uh, other programs similar to this or people doing this kind of work in a lot of places, but we'll get to that later. But um, And we've got uh, Robin and Peggy, and so y'all just chime in, and it's okay. We may talk over each other a little bit, but we'll we'll work that out. That's, that's not a big deal. But um, let me start off by asking um, you, Robin, why is... Uh, a community-based recovery network or system, why does that matter? What's the big deal? Well, you know, what we, what we know about um, addiction and recovery is that, is that it's uh, very challenging and hard to do by yourself. Um, and what the research shows is that it's, Really, much better and more effective if you uh, if you recover in a community. And um, so, when you compare uh, addiction to other long-term chronic illnesses, which they're you know from a public health perspective, as you know, and have come to understand that you know we used to have a framework that it was an acute illness, and and and. We were mismatching how you treat a chronic illness, and when we treated it as an acute illness and thought, well, you've, you've had your 15 or 30 days of treatment, that should be sufficient. Well, we, we quickly understood it's not, and then uh, sort of blamed the person instead of understanding we just had the wrong approach. And so now we know that if you can um, uh, maintain sobriety uh, for five years, you have an 80% chance of um, of, uh, of staying uh, staying in recovery. And but the best way of reaching that five-year benchmark, and by the way, 80% is really great when you compare it to other sort of um, recovery um, statistics or um, uh, from for other chronic illnesses. But if you can stay, if you can get connected. You're, the, that the best way to reach that five-year benchmark is to get connected to a recovery community. 
the, you know, the, the, the traditional um, approach used to be that if you go to the expectation, you have to go to treatment. And then when you went to treatment, um, you know, the, you might hear something like um, go to 30 meetings in 30 days, which is, um, is some great advice for, for many people. Uh, but it doesn't help. It's not sufficient. So now we know that if you can connect to another, a larger recovery community um, that provides the appropriate supports and services, you, you have a much better chance of staying in recovery. Mm -hmm. so this may seem like a, a disingenuous question, but why is that? Why do people need uh, a community to be able to stay in recovery? But well, we, why does that help them? Well, we're beginning to understand um, that the the emotional components um, and connection components, and so I, I, a lot of times people who um, are struggling with substance use um, have lost connection. They've lost often connection with their family. They've lost connection with their the friends that they used to have. They have um, relationships, but it's often around using the, um, the, their choice, their drug of choice, um, and so it's it's not really it's not a connection based on the whole person, um, and so they feel more and more isolated and make more and more decisions based outside of their own value system. Um, their sense of self-worth begins to plummet more and more and more. And that healing process of connecting with other people who share your struggle and who can offer you hope, that's what peer recovery coaches can do. Um, and repair those torn um, social and emotional uh, relationships um, makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Like you said, it's like getting maybe connected to uh, people in situations that I would say almost help you get connected to yourself in a positive way. Yes. I don't know. How mm -hmm. would you see that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. So, go ahead. I, you know, um, well, f for me, and I'm reflecting my own personal belief here, um, it, it, uh, connecting to the oneness and connecting to yourself is connecting mm -hmm. to the sacred. And mm -hmm. and healing that sense of being an outsider, being outside of humanity, being um, not worthy of of self love, much less love for, of anybody else. And so, healing those places. You know, I remember when I, I used to be an alcohol and drug abuse counselor, a licensed chemical dependency counselor, and I remember talking to this woman who came in, and she. Uh, she uh, had become addicted to meth, methamphetamine, and um, mm -hmm. she shared very personal stories with me. She used to uh, ride around town and steal bicycles out of people's yards to go pawn and buy her um, her drug. And she had violated her own values over and over and over again to such an extent that she loathed herself. And she also shared that she felt like she wasn't worthy of God's love. And so... In her belief system, and in many people's belief system, that's a deep hole to come out of. 
mm-hmm. and to restore that sense. And, um, and that's why we do often talk about there's a spiritual component to recovery and to and whether you call it a connection with something greater than yourself or a connection with that sacred space where you remember who you are um, and and repair that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. It's like you're you're uh, saying that that uh, human beings help each other connect to God, or however you want to put it. I mean, we all have a lot of different terms for it, but uh, maybe you just can't go off and do it by yourself. Maybe is that what you're telling us? I, I do. I think so. Um, I, you know, I, I think there's the rare human being who can adopt a a, a, a hermit approach to. Um, like spiritual recovery or wholeness and find a way to that path. But most of us, I think that's a very rare human being who can, mm-hmm. who can do that in, in isolation. Well, yeah, we need each other. That's mm-hmm. great. Well, mm-hmm. um, we'll come back to that, I think, later on. But uh, Peggy, the family plays a part in all of this that we've just been talking about. Tell us about that. You're the director of the family programs there at the Communities for Recovery. So how does the family fit into all this? Well, you know, I think that family, it's always been noted that alcoholism, drug addiction, substance use disorder, these are all family illnesses. But Mm -hmm. I believe in the past that family has not been given the attention that they needed with reference to their own recovery. Um, because the family becomes a lot like the addict, in my opinion. From my personal experience, um, isolated, depressed, and anxious. Uh, and the family member tends to, to be focused on the addict. That's almost like that's their addiction. And get very focused on, you know, what are we going to do about this problem? And even though I know that uh, treatment programs also often have a family element, once that person is out of the treatment program, then the family members are sort of left trying to figure out what are we going to do next? Mm-hmm. You know, wh- what's going to happen to us? And 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 really not understanding the process of recovery, even for their loved one. Um, so I think that having a family program where we offer the family continued education and meetings and re- mutual aid support recovery as well as peer recovery support, that helps the family member recognize, wait a minute, we're not alone. There's another community out there that has the same problems that I've got. I know people now that have been in the same situation that I'm in because it does come with stigma and shame as well, just like addiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, your friends, um, you know, we had been in a community for over 20 years, and when our family problems began, it was almost like we were not in that community anymore. Uh, we became extremely isolated, and we, my, my husband and I found ourselves to be very stressed out and, 
you know, we spend a lot of our time in worry and ruminating and working on ways to to help this person in our family who needed our assistance, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that through all of that, that that's where family support comes in. Once families get in that isolation, they need to know that there are other people out there that not only support them but have been through what they've been through. Right. What What do you see uh, happening uh, with family members when they start to realize that, that, wow, this happens to, frankly, a lot of people? <laughs> what happens to them when they start learning more about the disease of addiction and, and also making that uh, contact with other family members from other families? Well, I, I think the first feeling that family members have is relief. Oh, my gosh, I'm not alone. There's actually somebody that I can go talk to that doesn't get uncomfortable when I bring this subject up. There's actually somebody out there that can say, oh, you know, we've been in this situation. We've These are some of the things that we've tried, you know, that have been uh, fruitful for our efforts, uh, things that have helped us to feel better in this situation. Mm-hmm. So, they, yeah, like to get that sense of relief and um, get some ideas, too, as you're saying, just from things that other people have tried and, and done and different things like that. So, yeah, it starts to get them out of isolation. makes a huge it's, difference. It's a huge relief. And, and the, what really got me directed in this and helped me to understand this better was actually being in a family group, working in a family group with the family members, uh, all the family members, the people that were in addiction and the family members supporting them, and beginning to see the dynamics that occur in the family and beginning to see people actually able to come out and talk about things that they would never have talked about before. They were, it would have stayed within the walls of their home, you know. Right. So, so you're meaning that you were in a you personally were in a in a support group where there were both people recovering from substance addiction and family members, but kind of a mixed mixed group. Not necessarily your family member in there. Uh, yeah, and there were all different. You know, several many different mm-hmm. families in this group. Right. And that and in that setting, it it really gives you. I mean, it really gives you an an eye. You feel like you're you 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 know. I've been here, and wow, I'm hearing their story, and I never thought I would hear that story from someone else. Uh huh. Right. right. You know. Right. One thing that I've noticed is I've been in in such groups too. Uh, is that it's amazing. One thing that I found that happened for me, which needed to happen, was to start having some real compassion, both for myself as a family member as well as for the person that has the substance addiction. I see that magic happen when I hear it from somebody else uh, that's recovering and not my person that I'm all, uh, you know, enmeshed with here. I go, oh, you're hurting. 
Right. Those things that you do are your disease. It's not because you're out to get me. And that I'll tell you, it has been years, but that was a revelation to me. I'm sure he was out to get me, but it's not sure. <laughs> it's a disease. Well, it is, and it's not personal. Right. Not you know, personal. but you begin to feel like after a while, that's why where that all that family dysfunction sets in. It starts feeling very personal. I mean. Uh-huh. Obviously, the relationships are personal, but all of the actions start feeling very personal. Like, you did that, you know, that person did that because they wanted to hurt me, which is not actually, that's, then you get all that dysfunctional behavior that starts happening within families. It's it's like this huge misunderstanding of what's going on, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And let me kind of switch gears a little bit, and, and I'll ask uh, Robin or either one of you that want to talk about this and kind of swing up to the big picture here, is where did the idea for this organization, Communities for Recovery, come from? Is this a common thing in other places, or how, where did this come from? Well, let me speak to that. So, um I think we were maybe one of the earliest recovery community organizations in the country. Um, our founder, Dr. Scott Thornton, who was a, a, a person in recovery, um, wanted to start an organization that supported recovery. That and um, we we actually support recovery from people who are um, experiencing substance use or substance use and mental health issues. And so mm-hmm. he really had a vision of, of, of our organization. We were initially called Volunteers at the Creek, and we were an all-volunteer organization that um, led recovery support groups um, around the uh, uh, larger um, greater Austin area. And we went into Mm -hmm. um, treatment programs, and um, we started out, and that's why we're called Volunteers at the Creek. We started out at Shoal Creek Hospital, going into the hospitals and leading groups um, and introducing people to the idea of recovery and people sharing their own recovery. Long before sort of there was a national recovery movement, which there is now, and long before there was anything um, like peer recovery coaches, which is you know, a much more recent um, uh, um, approach to um, to helping in recovery. And so that's kind of where we started. Um, it's his legacy. He passed away um, two years ago last November. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it was, I'm sorry, three years ago last November. Uh, and so... Uh, um, we, uh, but we are also a member of the Association for Recovery Community Organizations, or ARCO. So that lets you know we have a, a, a national organization that represents other recovery community organizations all over the United States, um, and and they really uh, led the way uh, around. Uh, developing and sort of defining and establishing and setting standards for recovery community organizations. That's great. So just, again, so our listeners here, if they want to find something in their area, because we have listeners literally from all over the United States and all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So if they wanted to learn in general more about recovery communities, is it a Association for Recovery Community Organizations, or ARCO. That would be a great Mm -hmm. place to learn about recovery community organizations. Um, And um, 
I'm not sure they have they have members of the organizations, and it would be a great way to, you know, check out who who are members in your state mm-hmm. as a way of trying to find out do you have a recovery community organization near you. Mm-hmm. Great, that would be great. So. Um, People that uh, might be interested as well in, uh, I guess, there, I was ask you, there must be a lot of ways that people in recovery can get engaged with this, maybe to participate in the support groups and, I'm guessing, also to volunteer. I don't know. Tell us, start telling us something about uh, the programming that you have and how people get involved in it one way or the other. Or I'd be happy ways. to. Um, mm-hmm. There are. Um, so we have never uh, lost our volunteer component. That's a, a very a big, big part of, of, of who Communities for Recovery um, um, is. And so we, um, we offer volunteer opportunities. We are still uh, leading um, uh, recovery groups around the um, greater Austin area. Um, if anything, that's expanding. We have groups uh, now at um, uh, at Trinity um, Center for the Homeless, we have community. We lead, um, have some activities at Communities First Village, which is also um, a, 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 a tiny house program that's uh, connected to mobile loaves and fishes that operates in the Greater Austin area. We work with other treatment programs, Texas Star, New Entry. More than I can even tell you in terms of, and those are. Uh, um, work that we do with volunteers as well as peer recovery coaches. Um, we we believe because as what we talked about community, we have a, a sober event, um, social event. So, for example, I think we're about to have our fourth annual sober uh, Super Bowl party um, mm-hmm. that is uh, family friendly. Um, and so we have events, different events that we put on that we have involve volunteers with, um, and we are in the process of developing new volunteer opportunities. Um, we have a, a peer assistance leadership program, or PAL, and um, that's uh, people in recovery uh, getting involved in other community projects and um, helping communities for recovery when we have um, policy decisions, and that's a, a good way to, um, and um, different decisions that we were making around at communities for recovery. And then we have uh, a wonderful uh, Recovery Academy of Central Texas. We provide peer recovery coach training um, uh, about every other month this coming year. Um, and so if people are interested in becoming peer recovery coaches, we provide that training. Um, to become a peer recovery coach requires 46 hours of classroom training and then an additional 525 hours of supervision. So we have an internship or mentor program where people can apply and become to Communities for Recovery to earn those supervision hours um, so that when they are completed with their program and ready to become certified by the state of Texas, that they're comfortable and confident and highly skilled peer recovery coaches. Um, Peggy, what am I what am I leaving out in terms of how people can get involved or just you know and come for coaching? Um, and if you want to come for coaching, you um, don't have to have a formal referral. Um, we are able to provide um, our services at this point in time because of grant funding um, at no cost to the person coming for care. And um, 
And so people come in and can fill out an application to become a volunteer or fill out an application to um, ask for a peer recovery coach to be assigned to them. And we have a recovery cafe. We give away free coffee all day long. It's a really nice <laughs> environment where people can just come in. Um, if you are interested in recovery and you are interested in being an active participant in our services, you are welcome to come. Um, we, like you, Anna, we welcome everybody to come and right. sit down, have a cup of coffee, have a conversation, uh, um, be in an environment where you're um, present to uh, acceptance, non-judgment, um, uh, compassion, and caring. That sounds fabulous. Um, thank you so much, both of you. It's time for our break, so we're going to take a break just for a few minutes, and when we come back, we're going to talk some more about these things in depth and uh, find out uh, more about exactly how this works. And um, also knowing that these kinds of things, I'm sure, are available in other uh, areas and other communities uh, that do these types of things. So in maybe in your locale uh, as a listener, you might find out some of these things as well. So uh, stay with us. We'll be back on the air in just a few minutes and uh, continue my conversation with my guests, Robin Payson and Peggy Robinson, talking about communities where recovery comes together. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one. Please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? 
Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery, and if you're just joining us, uh, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and our topic today is Communities, where recovery come together, comes together. My guests are Robin Payson, who's the Executive Director, and Peggy Robinson, who's the Director of Family Programs at Communities for Recovery. It's an organization in Austin, Texas, which is sent to or across the United States. Um, that is dedicated to building a strong context for recovery, um, supporting long-term recovery by uh, providing peer support, uh, uh, partnering with larger community groups, and really uh, providing a sense of networking and, and uh, accepting uh, a community for people that, and families, and it sustains long-term recovery. You can learn more about Communities for Recovery by going to their website at cforr.org, Communities for Recovery, cforr.org. But before I get back to my conversation with Robin and Peggy, I'd like to invite you to join me for a brief moment of uh, quiet, our serenity minute, and invite you to just relax, to feel that presence of peacefulness of your higher power as you understand it, from the crown of your head, uh, allowing that peacefulness and relaxation to move all the way through your body temple, opening your heart and mind. Share with me this constructive idea in just a moment of quiet. And here's the idea. My life and recovery are valuable to myself and in being of service to other people. My life and recovery are valuable to myself and through being of service to other people. And we take just a moment in the quiet. Contact, make that awareness of the goodness in you and of your higher power as you understand it. 
So now I'm back to my conversation with my guests, Robin Payson and Peggy Robinson, talking about uh, communities where recovery comes together. And um, I'd like to start off this time right now with talking to you, Peggy, about the family program. What exactly do you do in that program? Uh, Well, our family program is based on really a kind of a working definition of recovery, uh, which says that it's a process of change through which individuals improve their health and wellness, live a self-directed life, and strive to reach their full potential. Basically, what we feel is that all, everyone benefits from recovery, and that family members are in need of recovery just as much as the person in addiction. Uh, So what we find is that the family members often are kind of depending on the addict's wellness and recovery to rebalance the family, and that in a lot of cases family members are even in denial about their part of that equation. So we offer a family program that consists of several facets. Uh, the first one being a family education program. And Robin's going to tell you a little bit about the foundation for this family education program now. Okay. And I'll give you all the details. All right. We, when we were uh, looking to develop our family program, which we, we did last year or um, uh, um, and implement, um, we looked around the country and we were very happy to um, find a wonderful educational curricula that had been developed by PROACT, which is an, a recovery community organization located in Philadelphia. So we had done some work with them before and we reached out to them and, and asked, it was their curriculum something that um, that they would be um, willing to uh, help us use and so we we um, were able to make those arrangements and then get Peggy trained um, we um, we were very happy about that and then bring that program from Pennsylvania to Texas and it, it's worked really really well so it's a, it's a wonderful example of community um, supporting each other to um, uh, you know, to make a difference um, uh, in Texas, so uh, or in Central Texas. So, Peggy, you want to talk about the components of the program? Yeah, I'd love to, Robin. The, our family education program is has been developed to to supply information to family members so that they can recognize and address addiction problems in their family members. And it's a three-part program, which we can do over a period of three weeks or even a period of six weeks if you want to do it every other week. And the first week focuses on understanding addiction and covers some just common information about addiction and the brain and um, and then moves into kind of uh, talking about recovery and makes that definition of recovery. So family members, can, actually the one that I quoted earlier from SAMHSA, um, so family members can kind of start getting themselves in a recovery mindset. Uh, week two, uh, we talk about how addiction impacts the family and start talking in depth about family recovery management and changing behaviors and scripts within the family and uh, what the rewards are as far as that goes and taking responsibility, personal responsibility for your own behavior. 
And then week three, for those families who families members are not in recovery already, we talk about um, some intervention ideas and uh, what what is the basis for effective recovery. Because basically what the research has proven is that recovery is more likely if family change their behaviors and begin to support the addict in different ways other than enabling. Um, and it gives, this program really gives people the opportunity to, uh, it gives them tools to address addiction constructively and begin the process of personal healing and recovery, which in the long run does as well benefits the addict. Mm-hmm. So what are some the, of the things that go ahead. No, you go ahead. That's fine. What are some of the things like especially in that second the middle component there that you're talking about uh, families learning some different behaviors and, and taking responsibility for their own behavior? Give us an example or two of, of some things that family members can do that are good for them and also really truly supportive of, of recovery of their loved one. Well, the first thing that we look at is enabling and helping people to understand what enabling is because often enabling happens and people don't even realize they're doing it. You know, uh, actually helping the addict to continue in behaviors and that you, we really, we don't, you know, you don't want them to continue and they need to do that on their own without assistance from others. And once people begin to understand that some of the things that they're doing is enabling the addict to continue to use or to uh, maintain this equilibrium that they have, um, that's mm-hmm. very helpful. So we provide them with kind of a questionnaire so they can kind of look through their own habits, you know, and the things that they're doing as far as their uh, interactions with the addict. And then we also look at changing from a negative, kind of a negative interaction with family members to trying to move toward the positive. Mm-hmm. Trying to, uh, in other words, if, if you keep looking at things from a negative viewpoint, it, it just kind of is a, a support for continued negative behavior. So if the family members can start uh, thinking about things in a more positive way as far as their own personal behavior goes um, and changing their approach to things, it really does make a big difference. So we kind of look at some of those scripts that families get kind of tied into when they so get into So tell us what one of those would, would be and, and what they would change it to. So it'd be a positive uh, I would think it would be something like, you know, Okay, someone comes home and says, "Well, I, I only had one drink tonight," and and instead of saying, "Wow, it sounds like you are really uh, putting, you've really been putting some effort into uh, thinking about your own behavior, your drinking behavior," uh, you would look at it in more of a negative way and say, "Well, but last night you drank, you drank way too much." Mm-hmm. So. Put the focus on the positive. You know, show people that you see that the addict that you see that they're uh, that they're actually thinking about their behavior. That and you recognize they they might be in that stage of ambivalence. You know, where they're mm-hmm. starting to kind of think about things in a different way because you want to support that. And and right. I wanted to add something here. Um, sure. You know, the the thinking used to be Anna that. 
you know, the sort of byline was, um, oh, they need to hit bottom, you know, before mm-hmm. they're going to change. And, and, you know, the best thing you can do is just get out of their way and let them hit bottom. And, and we've, we're learning now through um, uh, some wonderful research uh, that that's really not an effective approach and that really isn't helpful. You know, if this is a disease related to isolation and um uh, and a lack of connection, um, then the family has really, um, you know, can really step in and have transformative power of relationships and kindness and compassion, along with these very specific positive reinforcement and some specific motivational and behavioral strategies um, are are um, very, very effective. Um, and if you've ever had the experience of changing your own behavior and then seeing the people around you change, you have a taste for or a sense of just how powerful that can be. And sometimes when you're, you change yourself, the very changes you most hoped to see in the people around you um, occur, and not because you forced it or criticized or um, had an agenda or was constantly trying to help them get better and fix them. It's sometimes when you step back with some, with some, you know, it's an often used word in this um, field with some uh, healthier boundaries and mm-hmm. um, a positive approach. Um, the miracles you most wanted to see happen. Exactly. Yeah, so the the positive outweighs that negative. You know, often we wait for those negative uh the negative things to happen to to encourage sobriety when in fact if you have if you have a more positive relationship then they then people begin begin to be able to see what positive things can happen with them as well. Mhm. Right. So yeah, like it's like a, it's a balancing. Uh huh. Right, and it's it's like I mean nobody really likes to be isolated or or to be criticized or you know that type of thing. So it does make a difference. Like you're saying that family members can learn to just find a positive connection. That um, as you're saying, Robin, it's not trying to quote help. It's kind of an interesting paradox, isn't it? It, it is. is. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. um, and we're not saying it's easy. Um, as mm-hmm. a family member myself, with um, family members with uh, substance use and mental health issues, I, I have lots of personal experience with um, you know working on myself uh, mm-hmm. to uh, to step back. Um, uh, and it's it's very hard when your heart is breaking and you're watching somebody that you love. Uh, struggle with this illness or these illnesses um, and and not step into, which is, you know, uh, the word enabling, step into, you know, wanting to control things because you're, you're watching the person in front of you self-destruct and your heart is breaking. Uh, right, yeah. And you want to get in there and fix it. Mm-hmm. it right, and that's what I was kind of saying. You kind of depend on the addict's wellness and recovery to help rebalance you. If you can fix that, then everything works out, is working to work out. 
So that's a great illusion, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is a great it is illusion. A great illusion. <laughs> Definitely. Uh-huh. So the right. uh, the. One of the other, so once we've, you know, we have this family education program that we provide to community members that are, uh, that would like to uh, present it, and we will do the, that we will also make the presentation of the program. And we are currently working with some community partners, uh, like University High School, to um, have this program presented to family members at that with to their parents, so parents and allies. Mm-hmm. But I do want to make yeah. sure our program is open not just to parents, but um, you know, um, uh, sisters and brothers, husbands, wives. It you know it it, it it's all the members of the family, friends, best friends, mm-hmm. people who are struggling mm-hmm. um, and wanting to. You know, can can see that they're stuck in a in a destructive pattern, and that it's not working, and they don't know what to do differently. Uh, and so, we have very specific, as Peggy said, um, tools to teach family members concretely what can you do differently. Uh, you know, uh, one of those things is insanity is repeating the same behavior over and over again and expecting different results. Well, all of us have been there. That's part of being a human being. Mm-hmm. And then being able mm-hmm. to say, okay, I want to learn a different way of responding and a different way of of creating a relationship with this um, with this person who who themselves is 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 struggling. Mm-hmm. And right. another facet of that is the the peer coaching that we're now offering, uh, mm-hmm. which is a free service that we're offering to family members and allies. And as Robin stated, any family member, a sibling, a spouse, a parent, uh, friends, uh, because we want to encourage family members to embrace recovery for themselves. And by doing that... Um, helping them to understand that recovery is for everyone, that recovery is a, a personal path for each individual, and that it's a process. It's not something that happens when your loved one uh, stops using, when your loved one gets in recovery, when your loved one has had treatment. Uh, it's it's not going to happen overnight. It's a, it's a process. And we keep the focus on wellness and basically what we call the four major supports, uh, which are emotional, informational, instrumental, and affiliational. So we're focusing on empathy and caring, providing resources, uh, giving people assistance with tasks that they might need assistance with to assist them in recovery, and uh, helping them reconnect with community. Because as I said before, a lot of times there is an, a family gets an in isolation as well. And reconnecting them with a community, a recovery community, is very healing. Right. That's powerful. 
Um, our time is up here. I want to thank you both for both the work that you're doing in the community here in Austin and also um, for being my guest today. I just want to remind my listeners that even though we're talking about a local Austin uh, uh, organization here that you can look this up and see what might be available in your community for your participation, your volunteerism, whatever, as uh, the Association for Recovering Communities, right? That org, ARCO, A-R-C-O, right? Is that correct? Yeah, the Association for Recovery Community Organizations. Organizations, great. So, um, you know, you can always look, anybody listening can look up in your own, uh, look that up in, on the web and find what might be available in your community, or if it's not, Go to CFORR.org and call up Robin and Peggy and ask them how to start something. They help you out, right? That's right. We will. We would do our best. Yeah. Do our very That's best. That's right. You bet. So, again, thank you both, um, Robin and Peggy. Thanks for your work and thanks for being my guest today. And thank you all for listening. Glad you're here. And uh, have a good week. We'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thanks so much, Anna. Bye bye. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.